Went to a hockey game the other day, Joe, and a guy got hit in the side of the head with a Coke can. <gasps> it's okay. It was a soft drink. It's a soft drink. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. The shovel was a groundbreaking invention. Groundbreaking invention. All right, now the shovel. Now we can start with the jokes before we start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I was Joe. Nobody wishes they were I, me. I really do. Not even um, me. <laughs> not even you. And uh, anyway, speaking of Joe, Joe, you, you having a good weekend? Anything big happening in your world? Oh, no, nothing. I just got a new car. <laughs> A 2020 Subaru <laughs> Forester. Yeah. And, and is the new car smell everything that you, you hope it would be? I requested extra new car smell. <laughs> That's how much I enjoy new car smell. I remember in film school, a kid was pitching a, a whole story about like a dad who was hell-bent on keeping the new car smell as long as possible. He would like coordinate getting in the car and out of the car as quickly as possible. Just to maybe hold on to that for a little while longer. Uh, wow. Uh, are we happy with the purchase? Um, let's just say that I drove over the bridge that I bought as part of the lease to get here. <laughs> that joke was so much funnier in my head. It was much better constructed. No, I got it. I got it. But, uh, but you haven't had a new car in a... Since since uh, Wheel of Fortune, yeah, yeah, no? yeah. What game show were you on this week? <laughs> uh, I I believe it was uh, was it was it Super Password or twenty five thousand dollar? I wish it was. Um, I was on Pyramid. That's a actual show that's on right now where you can win one hundred fifty thousand dollars, but not for me. Nah, it just tapes in New York City, and you know it's a word game, and I'm bad at word games. Who are the um, Who are the celebrities? Oh yeah, uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Is he really? Uh, what? Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh on, I, I, I thought you meant the imaginary episode that I went on. In the- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I meant who are the actual? Who would be the the? Well, they had like Leslie celebrity. Jones on there, and you know, Anthony Anderson. We from still miss Black her and- on on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, like, she has a new stand up special out now. It's okay. No, I mean, she, I, it, it's great that she's that busy. She moved on, but she's we, actually, we I think, her. hosting Supermarket Sweep's reboot. They're, like, I'm not kidding. They're rebooting Supermarket Sweep, okay. and she's, she's going to host. Yeah. yeah, yelling at the contestants. <laughs> they- Run! <laughs> you got thirty seconds. Um, Find those breath mints. The the <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, who Tostitos, not Doritos, <laughs> who we absolutely love. Um, they did a supermarket sweep skit a few weeks ago, or maybe it was like la- one point last season, where she, she like went in the back storage room and came out with like the whole tuna. And he's like, "That's sushi grade tuna. That's a fifty pound fish. That's worth." But you know, she took the cash register. You know, like, you, know you gotta get the most because the whole idea is getting the most valuable items wow. in your cart and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Uh, but no, good for her. So you got a new car. Management got a – her lease was up and she traded in for a new used car, literally drove down the street, making a sound, took it back. And, and, and like the manager's like, oh, yeah, well, that's not – he took it around the block. He goes, well, that's not right. It's like, thanks, you know? Right. Um, so, th- so that was fun. Uh, 
Unfun news. Um, a, a passing of a good time legend. Janet Dubois. Uh, uh, what was her name? Uh, God. Oh, Wilona? Wilona Woods. She she wasn't the one who burnt her daughter with the iron. Dude, I didn't watch Good Times all that much. Oh, oh, there was a famous episode. It was with like uh, Janet Jackson was the little girl oh. who, who played on it, and like one of the people, and she you know hung out there a lot, and her mom was, and she abusive. was abused. Like mm-hmm. literally uh, to punish her, burnt her with an iron. Don't, don't think it was that. I think that woman. Uh, was she was like, a, no, she was like the neighbor. Like you know, she was like one of the neighbors that just come in, open the door, and just say hi, y'all. And somebody did a smash cut of every entrance that Wilona did on Good Times. Oh, that's and it's like awesome. two and it's it's literally every single episode where she's doing an entrance. And it's like a two minute, thirty second video. Worth the watch. Okay. But Jeanne Dubois also is famous for singing, you know, what was argued on the Howard Stern show this week as probably the greatest theme song of all time. The Jeffersons. Oh, the Jeffersons. She co-wrote and sang oh. the theme to the Jeffersons. We're moving on up. I wonder, because we sing that. We we sang that as Bernie Sanders like two weeks ago. But don't we reference that like at one point, like, you know, at, at one point, like, you know, I'll say good time. No, that's oh, good that's, time. That's good okay. time. Temporary layoffs is good, good time. time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't see? Easy credit <laughs> ripoffs. Good to, don't. Uh, I wonder, interesting, because the Jeffersons theme gets used and lots of it's been used in lots of commercials and parodies. I wonder if she makes more money on residuals from that than you know being a, a, a second tier character in Good Times. Yeah, I wonder how much like what her deal was because you know it was the seventies right. TV. Well, yeah, well, TV by then maybe, but but music was ahead of the curve as far as like licensing yeah. and residuals and stuff like that. You know, we know that you know William uh, William Macy was owed a few checks that he never got because he was just before that sweet, you know, residual money um, in syndication and stuff like that. What would you put as your, like, top three theme songs? I, I, honestly, it has to be Good Times cause, yeah. and, and probably the Jeff- Jefferson's Good Times. Barney Miller. And, and yeah, if we're, if we're going all... Um, what can you say with sitcoms? Let's say stick with sitcoms because, you know, TV's kind of broad. Well, I mean... All time, maybe Cheers. Mm. Y- you know, I mean, especially for the time it was on, and how big it was in my world. Um, maybe The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, The Simpsons. You're right. It's just it, that's like because it's been around for thirty years. It's almost like wallpaper now. Like it's like yeah, it's a Simpsons song. It's nothing. You know, it's iconic, and everybody knows it. Uh, I always like the Family Guy was, but yeah, but definitely no, no. Uh, let's finish it. It's Welcome Back, Carter. It's not greatest American hero. <laughs> believe it. Believe it or not. No, I'm going. Welcome back, Carter. How about sing along? Uh, uh, I'm going. I'm going. Welcome back, Carter. The Jeffersons in Good Times. Okay, you know. Yeah. I mean, How can I be racist, Joe? Two or three of my favorite sitcoms are are you know African American based shows. You're racist. <laughs> <laughs> you can be both. I know a Jewish guy. I can't be anti-Semitic. <laughs> what are you, Roy Moore? Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I would have to say, um, you know, as far as '80s go, I like the Perfect Strangers theme song. It's like a the power ballad of '80s theme songs. Um, the Growing Pains theme song. Yeah, I like that. Um, different Strokes. Different Strokes was one. Um, 
Golden Girls was yeah. great. Although that was a song. Golden Girls was great. That was a hit song before it became the theme song. The Golden. Well, so Girls. was Cheers. Cheers is a real was a real song. But that was written for the show. No, no, it was a real song before oh, that. Okay. And um, oh, um, and if you're talking original songs that were you know incorporated, Booze and Buddies. Yeah, was well, great. that right. Booze and Buddies was just really, really. Uh, you know that that. I that, don't care that, what you say. And <laughs> see, I do want to say that. Uh, maybe a, a runner-up would be just the guy who sings those Full House and Family Matters theme songs. It's a rare condition. Oh, this day and wait age. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. How are we missing? This is the theme to Gary's show. <laughs> How do you like it so far? Gary called me up the other day. <laughs> I'm almost halfway finished. How do you like it so far? This is the theme to Gary Shan. But I think every theme song maybe. Would sound a little bit better if they were sung by the guy from Full House Family Matters. This is the theme to Gary Show. The theme to Gary Show. Gary called me up. <laughs> I had a friend in LA going back to like the early 90s. Um, his band did a really great grunge version of the Mary Tyler Moore song. And I mean, it's a, it's a good song, you know. Um, they're gone. They they generally don't exist anymore. I think Schitt's Creek is like like a fart noise. Like I think it's really that all. <laughs> no, like it's like five note five notes or something. Yeah. Same with same with and I love I love a good the good place. You know. Right. And it does. It just has this little ten an eight second probably musical interlude coming in and out. Yeah, it's like a clarinet or something. It's like. But it was. I mean, theme songs were as such an essential part, you know, of setting up the premise mm-hmm. and and you know the opening credits and all that stuff. Now they just it, opening credits were a big deal. You know, now it's just as the credits just kind of scroll as the opening, you know, the cold open goes, or after the cold open, like the hard intro. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, it's so it's we, a rare condition we, this day and age oh, to hear we, any theme we, songs. We are we already just did it. Uh, we were talking about it when I was like, Joe's boys are over, and, and and his management has a house to herself. I'm like, you know, oh, she must be, you know, and you know, no rush getting out of here, you know. And then I forget exactly how you say. I said she's just if, chilling out, Max, and right. relaxing, all cool, and maybe some shooting some b-ball after school. And down the road to, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, we went. Uh-huh. Happily. Yes. One of the few rapped theme songs. Um, you know. So, no, that was, that was fun. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this it, episode. I just didn't want to talk about Trump. No. Um, well, we have been talking, you know, about some of our favorite musical interludes. But this week, in the shitty of Boston, the music died. W-A-A-F. The real rock was it called the real rock or something? Uh, you, you know, I'm, it's the rock of Boston, or was that BCN? BCN that, was the rock of Boston. That, so, you, you know, a lot of our friends live in LA, but are from all over the place. Truly, up through the mid '90s, Boston was Boston and LA were probably definitely LA, but you know, Boston more than a lot of cities you would think, more than bigger cities you would think were. The birthplace of of the rock station, like BCN, was gigantic. I mean, the morning show on BCN with a guy named Charles Lacadera was, you know, internationally famous before there was international fame for that kind of stuff. Uh, and WAAF, literally the last 
30 years has been such a huge staple in the rock world. Like their hosts are gigantic. You know, the famous like Bruin, like, you know, um, brawler from the like the the mid mid 80s to the early 90s, you know, was, was, you know, the host for like the last 20 years. Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, I, come on, man. Right. Uh, his name's right there. His name is. And they were. Bruh. And WAAF was. Uh, was huge, like 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 their international claim to fame. I think they started, and I'm not saying. I'm just gonna say what they did. It was called Whip It Out Wednesday, where it started. I think. Well, wasn't that Open Anthony? Whip Them Out Wednesdays. It, it was Wow, and like you put a bumper sticker on the side of your car, right. and then they'd send somebody out with a Wow van, and if the flash them. If you were a woman and they liked your breastuses. They would honk at you, and then, you know, if you whipped them out, you didn't win anything. You just, and it's radio. So it's like, you know, but it's all about getting the interactivity from the audience, you know? And it was all usually done like on the highways or, you know, some dangerous place where you probably shouldn't flash your tits. <laughs> and, but yeah, I mean, AAF was just absolutely huge. And over like the last like 10 years, 15 years, station by station has gone away. It's all the syndicated stuff um bcn has become you know the sports hub you know sports radio um and now af became a christian rock channel yeah because you know real rock is dead but it has risen again (laughs) and now it's risen three days later it rises up as christian rock so yeah i you know what honestly i haven't listened to terrestrial radio in so long since i've bought satellite yeah i mean really like when howard Stern left the airwaves he carried a lot of those. It's funny because when he came on and did syndication in, in all these markets, including BCN. He, he was the one that bumped um, Lacordaire off the he, air. He bumped Lacordaire off, but he also brought up the market share of the listenership. Like they, he carried – like his show carried the rest of the day for those stations, mm-hmm. you know? So you could have like the afternoon guys and the, and the, and the drive time guys. They, got, they were like – you know, they, they had a humongous lead in with the Howard Stern show. And then when he left, he just left a crater. And then you had like, you know, the the the, the David Lee Roths and you know Adam oh. Carolla's and you know trying to fill the void. Who? Somebody. So the more the morning guys on ninety eight point five, the Sports Hub, about a year or so ago, and I, I think they had to they they got a cease and desist because the people who own the station have buried the David Lee Roth tapes, like burnt them. Oh, that's WBCM. Uh, w- right, right, but 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 the guys on the sports hub found the David Lee Roth morning show tapes oh and started playing them, oh. and they actually had like an audition tape. I forget how many months, that dude. Was. It's, it's 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 brutal. I cannot describe. Like I, I'd rather sit here and talk <laughs> about like you know like like the consistency of a dog diuretic crap <laughs> on a brand new white carpet than i would talk about david lee ross he would bring in like his uncle at some point and then like he i remember because the howard stern show was fascinated with david lee ross taking over his old literally his old studio and they would follow him after like a, the first couple of months. It's like, what are they doing over there? And they had still had a communication with the general manager from the radio station, and it's like, yeah, he wants to like, he wants to like bring in palm trees into the studio, like literal like palm trees, and it's just like and sand or I, I think he wanted, yeah. So it, like, yeah, he was a strange guy, 
And I don't know what people were thinking. They, this is when executives do really wrong when they're trying to meddle with creative processes, like you know, cultivating an audience from the ground up again. Anyways, good luck with AAF. They'll, you know what? They'll do well. Christian rock. It, I mean, it's perfect. It's like that's like the QVC of music, right? You but it's, but you think in the Boston market, I mean, it's still such a vibrant music scene. But it's also like a Christian scene. I mean, like, who would right. have... Okay, 20 years ago, if I were to tell you that not only would we have one country music station in Boston, but three. Do we really? <laughs> Two or three, yeah. I, I could, like... Yeah. And they're huge. Right. They're huge. Country. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. The same thing in Los Angeles. Everybody thinks that... Um, the, the K-Rock is the gold standard, and it's huge. There's K-Rock, and then there's the other one that um, the guy who owns E. Who's the guy from E who hosts all the shows? Short oh, guy. Andy Cohen? No, no. The uh, American, e? American Idol. Um, oh, host. Ryan Seacrest? Right. No, he like has like 10 shows, oh, like right, 20 right, right. shows on E. Like, yes. He created half their shows the last 20 years. Literally. Yeah. He does American Top 40. Like he, but I forget what station in, in L.A. he was on. Oh, right. I think but it was, yeah, right. Both those stations were gigantic. They were like number three and four behind two um, Latino stations. Wasn't it Kiss out there? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's Kiss also out there. You're right. So it's Kiss and K-Rock out there, but dwarfed, dwarfed. And and it's funny because no, you know, the, unless you know, you wouldn't know. And I remember I did an event with NASCAR out in Fontucky, California, and Rat played from like... 10 to 11 or 11 to noon and they packed it it was this interesting thing uh biff came with us but before that it was and i don't know a mariachi band like that is big on the and they had just as many people from like like the hour before like they played like nine to ten and then rat played like 11 to 12 something like that and it was like just a completely different demographic but they had the backdrop of that radio station and stuff and it's like man it's just funny to to think that christian rock would do that well here um but i will say like when the wife and i would come back from la we always joked aaf around for 40 years their playlist stops around 98 99 because that's when rock music stopped right i mean the papa roach era Right, right. They, they, they are the one stage. When you had Bro Rock coming in, yep. cut my life into pieces. That's when the, that was their heyday. And it was Lyndon Byers. Lim- the, the, Lyndon Byers. Lyndon yes. Byers. LB. Yeah. Like, um, See, when I, you say LB, I think Limp Bizkit. So <laughs> which is when Rock died. I think, take that yeah, and stick I think he was the sixth pallbearer of rock and roll. <laughs> Fucking Fred Durst. So, uh, in the comedy world, so Joe and I, Joe has been so gracious. We had a FaceTime session, and uh, was it la- was that last night or the night before? Like last night, last night. Trying to uh, polish material. It was hilarious. It was. I, I I do wish we would like you know Facebook Live or stream some of our stuff. It was really funny of how great Joe is making me realize how unfunny I am. And I mean that in the absolute best sense of the word. Like, he is the gatekeeper of, okay, that could suck. And that one can really suck. Right. Right. You may be court-martialed for that joke. (laughs) So at least I can tell you where your joke structure is falling apart. Like, where your (laughs) load-bearing words are. 
You know, like that's funny. That's not funny. Uh, a lot well, of it, I, I don't think you said the first part right. very much at all. <laughs> well, but it, it'd be funny. Yeah, that's true. I, I'd be like, okay, well, he, here's the setup, and I'd be halfway through describing the show. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put that in the no pile right. over here. Well, I mean, you know, no, I mean it in a great way. I mean, do you have to use the word bitch in in every single joke? Dude, I'm trying to wean myself off saying cunt all the time. Oh, no, okay, yeah. I, I'm using uh. What what do they use to step down from heroin? Uh, uh, Nicorette. Oh, oh, (laughs) from heroin. (laughs) A methadone? Methadone, right. Yeah. If I was a smoker, I'd be going to Chantex. Yeah, right, right. Because of Chris Elliott. Wig me. (laughs) So, and I did. I I, I put it on the rundown here. And it was akin to, was comedy camp in 98 (laughs) or 96 when I came home that summer and we literally sequestered ourselves in Steve's house. Uh, Two weeks. It was, it was, it was, I, I, I was, I moved to LA and it was the first summer, the second summer I came back when our great friend, Steve, um, his parents lived near the station where we, and we did for like three or four days, we didn't do anything except write. And I think we wrote something like 30 skits. And then over the next three or four days, we shot maybe 20 of them. Yeah. And then and, and it was. I think I came home for two weeks. I saw my family collectively for about four hours. And they were really pissed, but that was one of the most fun two weeks I had. It, it was awesome. You know, you hear stories of like, you know, classic movie uh comedy writers who, you know, they do like a they go to their like one of their you know, cabins and they have like a retreat where it's like Carl Reiner and Steve Martin and Carl Gottlieb and all those guys or whatever, and they all get together and, you know, they write The Jerk, you know? We come out and we write, you know... Uh, uh, well, uh, Audio Problems and Dropout. Audio Problems and Dropout. Yeah, the, the sketchy awards. <laughs> the, see, because Joe and I, you know, neither one of I mean, uh, what would you call tech, tech uh, gurus, aficionados. I mean, we muddled our way we weren't through. Tech savvy, but we did. We 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 spent three or four days not doing anything except right. It was the same process that now. It's like you know, uh, taking turns, like you know, behind the keyboard. But we did. We did. We must have written about thirty. We had we shot about twenty, and then we edited. I forget how many made it onto that you know final show. Um, and it it, it it that that was some of the most fun. I'm like. If if I could like you know in a perfect world like when when you see old you know the vaudeville show or like your show of shows I mean that's what it felt like but we had a crew of us yeah um, and Steve and a job of none and a job <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that before you took over KB Toys I or think so I think I, was in be- I think I was in between jobs you know but I did I came home we did that it was like you know absolutely you know so much fun and so last night you know I am. I'm still waiting for this tour to fall apart and not happen, but it's one of those things. If I prepare and it doesn't happen, I'll be bummed, but at least I prepare it. If I don't prepare and it happens, then I'll feel, like, foolish, so... Uh, like the Boy Scouts are, be prepared. And molested by... Oh, sorry. <laughs> that, that, that got dark really fast. Speaking of dark comedy, uh, Louis C.K. is coming back to town. What if he'd be promoted on AAF? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so good for him. He'll do well. He will he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, I think a lot of people who uh, there are people in Boston who 
um, shocker, don't give a shit that Louis C.K. did that stuff in front of women. In fact, there is a there is a segment of the audience out there, not just Boston, everywhere, who are anti Me Too. Times up. Who are like, and I, and I get, I get that. Yeah, there have been some things that you heard. It's like you know. I, I, I won't go down that, but there are some people who are think it's swung too far and are support of people who are saying, you know, fuck that. What was interesting. Well, it's kind of like when the man show regained gained like prominence in the late 90s that sort of pushed back against the Oprahization. Right. And the there was PC stuff. I mean, there was a show on the air called Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, you know, pushing back. Right. Yeah, exactly. What so, happened to that show? You know, that's still in the air. Uh, it, uh, is it still called political? No, it's real time with Bill Maher. Right. Yeah, but yeah, that's when he made the nine eleven thing. Eh, not so much. ABC was like, ah, we'll see you later. Um, so we talked last year when Louis C.K. got up unannounced. Was it the Leaning Tower of Pisa and and Route One and Saugus there that does like has like a little comedy room? He, it, it, right. it was it was a, it wasn't like. You know, Nick's Comedy Stop. It wasn't one of the big stable comedy places. It yeah. It was like a second tier. I and, think you're right. And um, it's funny. The local comedian who I love, her name is Christine Hurley. Ah. She went on right after him that night. She was scheduled to be there. He was not. He's friends with the owner, or, you know, I think Lenny Clark or somebody else who was like running the night and let him, you know, go up there. And she got eviscerated in the comedy world, especially by female comics. Like, I can't believe you're working with him. It's like, I was booked to do this show. You know, people came to see me. I wasn't going to screw those people over and walk out. And they were asking her what she thinks. And she's like, everybody deserves a second chance. I do think, and this is what he hasn't done, he has not said that stuff never happened. You know, he kind of just took the, I'm going to go away and wait for it to blow over sort of thing. Well, he wrote that open letter. But he hasn't really said, this is really douchey of me, and I shouldn't do these things. It was, you know, um, and I'm not going to do them any, any longer. And and you know what? Who knows if he won't do that in the future? Maybe he will right. come around and be contrite and make a real apology, and, you know, maybe he'll be re-accepted into the fold. You know, it, things happen. Unless he does what it looked like he was doing last year, is leaning into the going the other way and maybe trying to be... A Fox News uh, appealed to the Fox News crowd because the the bit that people had recorded that night that put out there is him being awful to the Parkland kids. Say, you know, his whole thing is like, you know, and, and I'm not going to try to do his voice, but just you know, picture Louis C.K. saying, you know, you're not interesting. You know, I don't want to hear your opinion. You don't have an opinion just because you hid behind a fat kid, you know, when somebody was shooting up your school. That doesn't make you interesting or entitle you to lecture anybody about anything. It's like, yeah, kind of does, and that's awful, and really? that That's your material? And when you, when I hear him, when I'm, like, scrolling through, like, I Heart playing the comedy thing, and it has his – I mean, he's really funny, and it seems like – if he wasn't the kind of guy who was doing that, he'd be really out front making fun of guys who were kind of doing that. You know, it's like a, a self-awareness that – because he has a self-awareness. Yeah. You know, he, no, he's a great comedy writer. He's just a creep. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and is it now that his – now when that all broke, his daughters were like – you know, under 10, over 5, like in that range. And, and now it's like they're in their teens. Do you think, you think that changes – 
him at all, or, or do you think he'd be like compartmentalized? It's like, no, I'm talking the like like uh, Bill Barr, you know, loves his wife, protective of his daughter, but Bill Burr, Bill Burr, but all these other bitches out there, yeah. you know. I don't know. I maybe we do have to sort of realize that um, everybody's awful in one in some way, shape, or form. Uh, what, Except us. Well, oh boy, you wait and see. <laughs> uh, but it's funny because these these comics are putting a version of themselves out there, but it's a heightened performance of themselves. It's like not nobody's people confuse the real person with the performer all the time. Um, but it's hard to separate that when you're banking your career as a stand-up comic on your personality and selling your unique self and you, what you want people to perceive yourself as to the world as part of the gimmick. It's like you're not an actor. You're playing yourself, but you're still performing. Right. You know, so it's not a it, – that's where the line gets blurry. You know, so when they do something really creepy in their real life – it's it's harder to divorce that from the performance. Like they can't, you know, like if um, like Woody Allen, Woody perfect, Allen, perfect, perfect example, and like he, creepy guy, brilliant director, and people still support him. People still work for him. People, you know, still fund his movies. People, you know, do business with him. And he's been going on for you know thirty years since the. I think how long has he been married to somebody? Long, at least twenty years. Yeah, twenty something years. So. And it's, but it's all, you know, it's all watered under the bridge. You know, some people like have a thing against it, but like not enough people are there to cancel Woody Allen. And I remember when that whole, yeah, he won an Academy Award like a couple years after that. Yeah. Um, Mel Gibson, right? Mel Gibson, one of uh, hey, sweet tits. <laughs> yeah, Mel Gibson had a big, you know, crash and burn thing, and then uh, oh, he, you know, produced Dunkirk. What, wow, whatever happened to his dad? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so, the, so the, yeah, the, I guess it's all, it's all relative, you know, um, you know, maybe in 10 years, Louis C.K. will be fucking receiving the Mark Twain award, uh, or some like, you know, Nobel peace prize or something like that. But for now, you know, he's got to, I guess, earn his, uh, reputation back from the public and we'll we'll go for a different reputation with a different, yeah, he'll be on Fox news with, uh, you know, <laughs> with bubble baby over there. <laughs> When was the last time he was funny? Was it SNL? Has 1995, I believe. Since he left SNL, has he done anything yeah, that you found de- funny? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dennis Miller Live. I actually did a parody of his Dennis Miller Live in one of our iterations of Misty's Kitchen. Um, I liked men- I liked Dennis Miller Live a lot in on HBO in the 90s. I actually, one of my favorite things about Dennis Miller Live, he ended up, having the Pixies on as the band for an entire week. It was like the first time that had been done. And he had a bunch of, they were getting... I'm, I'm talking about his weekly HBO show. Oh, oh. I'm, uh, like, he had a, I think he had a CNBC show that was like... He, no, a, yeah. He had a, a late night talk show. I forget what right. it was on. Right. It might have been on Fox. I think something. it was on Fox. Yeah. And it was when the Pixies were getting ready to open for U2 on their tour. They were in LA. They came and played on a Monday. And he like... So what do you guys do the rest of the week? It's just rehearsing. Oh, can, you want to rehearse here? You want to come in here any day? And they canceled all the bands the rest of the week. And the Pixies played, like, if not the whole week, at least two or three of the next couple of days, yeah. which was that, – that was it. But other than that, I'm not you – know. 
Not a big deal. But 95. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much the, the cutoff when he was funny. Yeah, that and rock and roll, pretty much. Dead. Yeah, right. So um, the next thing that died is, uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, but I was telling Joe when he got here, it's you know February vacation this week, and as usual, we took full advantage almost to the point of abusing the library systems around here because they all have these great like one day like acting workshops and artist workshops and different kind of craft things. So the boys did like five, six different and they're always free and they always have like a good time. Uh, there was a church in Lowell that we did a couple events at and looking at the guide for upcoming things, the Wilmington library, which is the best one. Uh, my oldest is going to take an intro to Dungeons and Dragons. So my non-hockey playing, non-watching the Patriots with me son, who has just been bitten by the theater bug, is now going to get into uh, D&D. And I was saying to Joe, I'm going to have to spend this this upcoming weekend going to yard sale and flea markets looking for lockers uh, at the house in which to give him a wedgie and stuff him in. <laughs> I mean, because he's homeschooled, so he won't be getting this abuse in school. Oh, right, yeah. So I'm going to really have to make sure he realizes. You bring the bullying <laughs> right into home. the front door. You know, I, I, do, what choice do I have, Joe? I know. Do I want to do this? You know what? You have to be uh, be the bully that he deserves. <laughs> yeah, not the bully he wants. All right. Hey, man, uh, that's cool. My kid does D&D, and he's, wait a minute. <laughs> Glasses, skinny. Oh, no. <laughs> where, where does he get it? Right. Where does this come from? Why can't he like Star Wars like a normal yeah. kid? And then... Or Weird Al Yankovic. Right. Seriously. Oh, these kids today. Losers. Um, so speaking of, about losers, um, and I'm just throwing this in it because it's a funny news story that caught, you know, I was like scrolling through the feed the other day and I, I went and looked up. There's a small town in, uh, in, in New Hampshire. There's a lot of small towns in New Hampshire. Uh, this is Croydon, C-R-O-Y-D-O-N. It had one cop. The whole police department was one cop. Did you, did you know the story? Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you take it? <laughs> so I guess after like decades of service, he's like it's literally like a one-horse town, right? Yep. He's the one cop. I guess the town decided or a judge or somebody decided. This, like the, the town council. Yes, they decided that uh, his services were no longer needed. I'm not sure why they let him go. I don't think he knew. Just budgetary. Right. Okay. So they just, you know, we, we, we can't pay you next week. So um, unfortunately, you're going to have to turn in your badge and your gun and your vehicle. Oh, and the, the, the clothes off your back. The uniform immediately is right. what he was mandating. Right. And I don't know. There could be many sides to this story. But the way he tells it is that he had no choice but to take all of his clothes off down to his underwear, every, you know, departmental fabric that he was wearing, left it at the what used to be his station, and uh, instead of waiting for his wife to come pick him up... Just walked home. Walked home, and it was like, you know, 10 degrees below zero and, and or One of his friends, like, you know... So, yeah, it was this town hall, and a couple of years ago, they tried to, you know, cut his pay. He makes, like, 40 grand a year, but he has the car and the benefits and, and like... And the siren. And the siren. And they can incorporate in, like, the state police can basically, like, drive through the town. It's one of those towns that's the, the, the highway goes through the town, so there's not and there's not a lot of crime. And, and he doesn't write enough tickets for them, you know, and there's not enough traffic coming through to write enough tickets to justify it. He's done 
too good a job. Right. He's cleaned up the township, but he did. And, and so I saw an interview with him, and he's like, well, they said immediately. I gave him – and and they he, they sat there like, what are you doing? It's like, you said immediately. And he just literally at the, the town hall meeting just robed down to his underwear, put his boots back on, and just walked out of there. And uh, – you know, he's an older gentleman because he was a cop like the next town over that's a bigger town for like 30 years. And he was like 25 years here. So he was like a year or two out from retiring probably anyways. And yeah, a friend called him and a couple miles up the road. His wife was like, get in the car. <laughs> so is that a boss move or a dick move? It's a boss move. It's a total <laughs> boss move. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, if I was... I, I, I can't it be both. Yeah, I think it can. Yeah, I think like, it's a boss. Day. I mean, think about like if, if, if think about if you were his wife, you know. Oh yeah, oh you're right. Yeah, that's sweet like, hog in your mouth. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wrong with you? <laughs> but if you're driving down the road, and it's like, wait, is that my husband in his underwear? Get in the car. You forgot your medication again. Lampshade on Skittles. <laughs> So, uh, so before we get into the awful, let's get into the awesome. Um, this week, uh, after we talked last week, how the media has completely written off Elizabeth Warren, even though she finished third in New Hampshire, you know, and third in Iowa, uh, she was still, you know, third, and not like a distant third. But everybody else was getting the attention behind her and all this stuff, and and we talked about how it's the same mistake the media's making in 2016, just writing her off. Well, her campaign is back from the dead. Was it? You're talking? Are you referring to her performance at the latest Democratic debate? So, so for her to rise from the grave, she had to swap out one soul for another. Apparently, she didn't hear the memo that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Because uh, man, oh man, did she lay into the newcomer, the new kid in town? There's a new guy in town, and he's getting his asshole reamed by Elizabeth Warren. Not in the good way. No, no, no. That sweet hog. Not that that sweet hog. Yeah, it's, you know, there's so many holes that thing can go into. And, oh, now you got me down a road that I didn't want to go down. Ah, anyways, Elizabeth Warren. God, I got now got to completely edit this. kicked ass. She did. She um, went right out. Opening statement. Opening statement. And she talks about. Let's talk about the guy who you know calls women horse faced lesbians the and billionaire trying to buy his way in. Who yeah. calls women you know Bra- fat broads fat, and horse faced lesbians. lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Michael Bloomberg. No, he was on one side of the stage and she was on the other. No. Oh, <laughs> he was to her immediate right. Uh, perfect shot. If you, in, in TV j- jargon, that's called a two shot. Where you, <laughs> you have two people standing right next to each other. Kind of frames perfectly. And, and as she's ascending, you can see him just like the, the fl- flinchstone when he's like shrinking down. When we yell at him, right. he's that tiny little. <laughs> right. Little Mike became you know, micro Mike. And uh, so then, and she pressured him on the NDAs that he that was had the best. Her uh, that he had uh, his female employees sign, uh, and that it, and it was kind of open ended as to whether these were all women that were signing these NDAs with that worked for Bloomberg or the way he made it out to be it could be anybody it could be men men could be women women could be other, anybody yeah. other yeah 
Miscellaneous. I'm looking at the when when I sign something, it's like it's like take a survey, man, female. I'm not a hermaphrodite checkbox there usually. Hermaphrodite. You're so old, man. A hermaphrodite. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about hermaphrodites. They're the one species, if you tell them to go fuck themselves. I just they the, can. the easiest fucking joke. <laughs> That that fruit was like on the ground. It was uh, it was on its way to becoming a new tree. That's how low that hanging fruit was. Wait, so it's not going in the maybe bottle last night? Is, is, is that another no? Right, that's going in the uh, incineration. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I think actually I saw a response today that Michael Bloomberg said that you know going forward, no longer will they. Even offer an NDA as an like that they're not even going to. They're just going to make the bodies disappear, <laughs> right? Going to disappear. But uh, the pressure's on now for Bloomberg, and Bloomberg's you know he's got a lot of money, and he's got a apparently a vested interest in becoming president of the United States, either to protect his billions or to um, further feed his ego, or both. What's great about and it's true, Mike Bloomberg is running for president. I don't believe because he hates Trump as much as his ads say. I, I do believe that he doesn't like him in any way. But honestly, I think he's more afraid of Bernie or Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren specifically because she is really the one politician. And yeah, I've been a hawk for her you know, since she first started running for Senate here. She was the one person who came in and said, I'm going after the big banks. She went after the big banks. Obama ended up creating a different de- a whole department for her to do that. She went after the big banks so hard that Democrats started pulling her aside saying, hey, I kind of get some of my funding from them too. You know, it's like I'm all for you in, 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 in the big banks that she went after Wells Fargo and made them pay up. She went after different ones. She's the one person who came in and said, yeah, I'm going to do this shit. And did it, even though her own party tried to like stop her from doing it, and and she and so if Mike Bloomberg spends five hundred million dollars running for president, it would probably cost him twice that in taxes if she becomes president, you know, or, and that, or more so, yeah, and right. That, and that's what he's afraid and of. And he has sixty nine billion dollars. I, I literally believe that's what it is, you know that that anyway. It, and she she had also said, look, look, we don't want to swap out. They're billionaire for ours. You know, I, I mean, missed opportunity there. She could have at least thrown Mike a lifesaver and said, at least our billionaire is a billionaire. I mean, she could have <laughs> at least taken that thing. Uh, but yeah, it was great. It's composed. Then I heard her on Lawrence O'Donnell the next day. And Lawrence O'Donnell said, look, when we went to commercial, you, it was a picture in picture. And you could see the candidates still on the stage and talking to each other during commercials. Like right after that, he looked at you. What? And you guys look like you had a nice exchange. He asked where I came from and where I grew up, and I told him Oklahoma. And we were talking a little bit about Oklahoma, and you know, and then you know, I ended up moving to Wellesley when I, you know, was at Harvard, and he grew up in Wellesley. So we we're talking, you know, a little bit. It was like it was friendly, it was amicable, cordial, com- cordial conversation. Yeah. But she did; she just eviscerated him. Yeah, and then everybody else was just basically like, "Oh yeah, me too," you know. But she was also great with you know when she. Um, 
you know, was talking about like her health care plan. And it's like, yeah, I got a comprehensive health plan. My website shows you exactly where the money's going to come from. And it's like, and, and it was like, you know, Bernie's plan, you know, just can't be implemented. This plan doesn't work. That plan doesn't work. Amy's plan fits in a postage stamp, you know, or, <laughs> a, or post-it a post-it note. note. And then to which she replied, well, I, I take that as a compliment because we invented the post-it <laughs> note. In uh, her highlight, Amy Kovacher's highlight was, you know, uh, Mayor Pete was blasting her because she blanked on the name of the president of Mexico. It's like, we can't all be perfect like you, Pete. And I saw on Twitter somebody put, that's Minnesota speak for, they're never going to find the body. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, f- a feisty debate. Um, but Elizabeth Warren definitely won. I had written her off since the like, I, since the, the, the first, you know, the caucuses and the, and the primary. I hadn't written Elizabeth Warren off because of the total media blackout of her campaign coverage and um, just her, I don't know, I, the, the, the vibe, like, I don't know, I, I didn't get the sense that the people around her that were doing her campaign were doing her a, a solid. Like, we're really, I think they were, I thought they were fumbling the ball well, a lot. You know, when, when when it was Trump, Bernie, and Hillary, it's like, you know, I remember Media Matters did a big thing and a couple other people, people picked up on it that you know that for every 10 hours of airtime that trump got like bernie was getting eight and hillary was getting four but out of the four hours hillary was getting 75 percent of that was benghazi 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 or the emails or all these other things it was talking about that she was literally getting one-tenth of the coverage of blotus was and it's the same thing when elizabeth warren has made the news in the past two months it's not because she's filling stadiums talking it's not because you know uh people are you know uh it was the bullshit with the bernie back and forth i mean it was the only negative and like i I, we said last week you know nbc news like had posted like you know they had up on the screen the five head-to-head how the you know the other five candidates were like projected against trump she wasn't even like there was space it wasn't like they had a Cut it for space. Right. There was a space that a sixth candidate could possibly fit in. And she wasn't there. She was polling higher than three of the five on the screen against him head to head. And she was third of the six in delegates already. It's like, so why did they just decide because she's not a story to leave her out? But anyway, she can't now. Um, she had absolutely nothing to lose. And she had the biggest day of um, – of, of contributions the following morning mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So she can't be taken for granted now. Yeah. I, so it, is it, do you think it's just because Warren doesn't fit that sort of narrative that the media kind of tries to do? Is that Bur- the billionaire versus billionaire or Biden's the, you know, he, well, he's sort of like the favorite amongst like the central I honestly, Democrats. You want, want me to tell you honestly what I 100% believe it is? No, don't tell me. It's boring. I think on one hand, <laughs> Uh, Trump's great for ratings. Like if, as much as yeah. and, and, you know, as much as we hate it, as much as MSNBC and the Rachel Maddow people will be complaining for another five years about his administration, uh, it, it's great for ratings. Elizabeth Warren is going after the billionaires. She's also going after and has gone after as much as a senator out on an island can go after big corporations. She is going to make the big corporations pay up. The parent companies of NBC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox. And the pharmaceutical companies that buy a lot of advertising on those 
platforms. Right. She is not. She's not in this to make friends. You know, she's not in it for the long. I mean, she's seventy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like she's not thinking about. Uh, or, uh, uh, three Senate races from now when she's 75 you know, or when she's 85 or something like that. She is literally going to go after him. And I honestly, I, I don't think it's conspiracy theory. I think it's in their best interest to have a Joe Biden, a centrist, a, a, a Mayor Pete, you know, who they said, you know, um, you know, you've what was it last week? It came out when people are like, you know, there's been closeted Republicans that, you know, or, or uh, there's been a lot of gay Republicans who were in the closet. Like Mayor Pete is a closeted Republican. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, uh, and, and the nice way to say that is centrist. Yeah. You know, so Joe Biden is kind of down the middle. Mayor Pete is down the middle. Yeah. I, I think Bernie and, and Elizabeth Warren are on the page for like. 80% of things, 85% of things, Bernie is a little more uh, left of that and a little more angry. You know what I mean? He has, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think she literally scares. I think, and people. also Bernie has a more passionate base. Passionate? Is that, is that what we're going to go with? I'm going to go with passionate. <laughs> okay. Yes. Right. I mean, as far as if, it, if you're talking like demographics of uh, viewing audience is concerned, yes. You know, more people are going to be paying attention to what Bernie is doing on the news than Elizabeth Warren is doing on the news. Because you're right, yeah, Elizabeth Warren is not out to make friends uh, in high places. She's out, uh, she's out, she's out, she's she's in bucket list mode, you know? One of the complaints, one of the things, I think it was the first debate, I think they said she lost a lot of people because she was asked, it's like, well, where is this money going to come from? And she answered it. In detail and yeah. showed her math. It's like, oh well, she's too smart because literally, you don't want to. You know, a, a woman can't be too smart because that's off-putting. She can be attractive, but she can't be too attractive because she can't be that smart if she's that attractive. And if she's that smart, well, that's kind of off-putting and intimidating. And the same thing. It's like all over Twitter the next day, there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, she was really mean." If it was Joe Biden. It be he don't, he's all fired up. If it was Mayor Pete, look at his energy. If it was you know even Bernie, it's like well Bernie's always yelling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like because she was and she wasn't yelling. You know it, it's the same thing when 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 all the people were testifying and Brett Kavanaugh is literally crying and here's Fiona Hill being completely composed. You go person by person. It's like and if a woman said, wait, hold on, don't interrupt, let me finish. It was like oh she was rude. She was you know. Um, and yet she persisted. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, like that's what Elizabeth Warren has always been facing. And yet she persisted. I told her to get back in the kitchen and make us sandwiches. Right. Yes. Those <laughs> slices of bread are not going to be <laughs> surrounding a piece of meat by themselves. So get back in there. And, and, and so I think so it's going to be interesting. Um, it's, it's interesting. Nevada has already had more early voting in this primary than the entire primary last time around. On Nevada? What are the odds? <laughs> right into the propeller. <laughs> I walked right into the propeller. So so that that was the interesting thing. Yeah. Now, now, sadly, a little awful. Um, just a little because we're running a little. Long. Okay. So we did talk like last week about like, you know, when All-Star Tommy and I were talking and he's like, yeah, but this doesn't affect me. I, you know, I shouldn't get that upset about these things. And I was saying it, it really hit home. Yeah, it got to a fever pitch this week and I won't get into too much detail. But, you know, my sister 
had an interesting talk with my brother and explained. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you know, that her and I feel this way because because of who we're married to and the subsequent. And he was like, oh, you know, he he's kind of apolitical and he's like supporting his son being in it. It's not. And he was like, yeah, you know, I can I can see why you guys would be upset. I, I get why you would be upset about that. And then this week, you know, it, it kind of got a little out of control, you know, with a couple things. Uh, but like today, you know, last couple days, Blotus has decided to go off on Parasite. And, you know, and the head of the distribution company for Parasite is like, of course he hates it. Of course he doesn't think we should win. It was subtitled and he can't read. You know, it's like, uh, but we talked about it when they won and how great my wife felt watching people on the Oscar stage, you know, speaking Korean. It, it, it was really great. But that whole, you know, where I did that. So, you know, management wanted me to, you know, kind of be, you know, get in the ring with my parents over it. And I get that because it really makes my stomach turn. Um, and, and I doubt my parents will ever listen to this and it doesn't matter, but I'm putting it out there anyways. I can't bring myself to putting the parent control on their TV. I, I literally think it would cause too much of a problem. Like the next big family party when there's 20, 30 people over, I might be able to pull it off because it will be less plausible than when I'm just there. Safety in numbers. With the boys. But I did, and I don't really know how Facebook works all that well because I'm not on Facebook. But I... Uh, oh, you mentioned this last week. I, no, no, no. This No, I told you because oh, I, I was okay. telling you on the phone. Nah. I just did it the other day. Um, yeah, I made sure that my mom's news feed now includes Lawrence O'Donnell's Rachel Maddow, MSB, NBC updates, Elizabeth Warren updates. Uh, and my, what my sister did is she uh, had my mom tape the debate for her so she could come over and watch it, kind of forcing my mom to watch it. Who doesn't like Elizabeth Warren? We have talked about that. But she was very impressed with you know how she you know handled herself. It, it was the first not – negative thing she All didn't right. say you know it's like you know that shirt looks good on you joe <laughs> you <know? It's laughs> like, so so that was that um huh. with the parasite thing so uh we're we're, we're being hacked by rush again bernie's hmm. people have got the heads up saying they're working for you like like they are working both sides it's like and it's not clear do they think he's a weaker candidate for trump so they're kind of supporting bernie and bernie's been very you know adamant saying yeah stay out of our election and if when i become president you know putin i'm going to make sure you stay out of our elections which i like but i i do want to say we have a hero alert a couple heroes this week, you know, have actually come. For, I, I don't even know if it's a hero, but Joseph McGuire, who's like, you know, head of the intelligence agency, who gave the House intelligence a briefing the other day. That was his job. He didn't like drive, wasn't driving to work and say, oh, I'm going to detour and just go over to the Senate and talk to the people of the House and tell them, look, Russia's at it again. This is what they're doing. This is how they're doing it. Um, he was sent over there. It's his job to brief them. Uh, Blotus was furious and has removed him from the position because he thinks it's unfair to tell the Democrats that Russia's helping him because they're going to use it against him. So he's fired the guy for doing his job in the intelligence community by briefing the intelligence uh, uh, the bipartisan uh -huh. in the House this week. So What an asshole. 
you know, and, and you think about it, it's like the Roger Stone conviction, you know, I don't think he's going to spend a day in jail. He's got three and a half years. I think he gets pardoned before he goes in, but yet those traitors like reality winner is still in jail on a five-year sentence because she brought to light, hey, they hack these systems in these different places. Uh, Gentlemen, too evil. It is. It is. It's like they're openly, you know, trying to bury it. The other, I do want to say, the the hero, his name is John Crabb. He was the prosecutor who had to fill in for the four prosecutors who quit the stone thing when Barr, requ- you know, demanded that they lower the um, – the sentencing recommendation mm. and in front of the judge, the judge was like, why was this lowered? Were you part of lowering it? And he didn't say it was bar, but he was like, no, I wasn't okay with this. No, the people, the people who gave the original hearing did their job. They were patriots. They gave the right thing. Well, then why did not you change it? It wasn't my job to change it. Well, who changed it? It's not my job to say so, but these people who left, left for just causes and I don't agree with this. I'm just doing my job delivering what the people upstairs told me to do. But so he wasn't cowering, uh, but he I'm surprised he still has a job. It's not, you know, come Monday he might not by the time this podcast doesn't. But there are some people who are um what uh, what's the term I'm looking for, Joe? Like the checks and balances and the judi- the judiciary is still hanging on by a thread, but there are people out there who are like, yeah, I'm probably going to get fired for doing my job, but I'm going to do my job. Great. And I'm glad that Mr. Krabs is coming around because he was such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> You're spending on me money, boy. Would you do a self-indulgent theater now? Did you get that all lined up? What? No. Wait, what what you, we, Oh, I thought you were going to oh. do an emo Phillips thing. I thought that's what you were working no, on. Oh, that was working. the new car oh, thing. Oh, I was trying okay. to find a car All thing. right. Never well, mind. hey. That was fantastic and worth the wait. Great. Yeah. See? Isn't <laughs> stupid? Do you, do you want to do an emo Philip self-indulgent theater? As what? I don't know. Telling you. Know, I don't want to do work on this podcast ever. <laughs> what did you want me to do? Well, just tell me. I'm dancing monkey here. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, Why don't you do emo Phillips uh, doing what did, what did you lock on? Did you said, why don't you do emo Phillips doing the perfect strangers? Was a perfect strange, or do you want to do a Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Do the Fresh Prince of Bel Air <laughs> as emo okay. Phillips. Very good. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days chilling out, maxing, relaxing all cool, and shooting some people outside of school when a couple of guys, they were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight, and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh, and it had dice in the mirror. If anything, I would say that this cab was rare, but I thought, no, forget it. Your home's to Bel Air. I pulled up to the house around seven or eight, and I yelled to the cabbie, Yo, Holmes, smell you later. Looked in my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel Air. Now, was that so hard? To make me this happy, was it not worth the prompting? Just, you know, put, you know, George Washington in a washing machine <laughs> and take my go. Glasses off, and then I'm going to put it back on. <laughs> uh, 
So as far as sport goes, you know, very, very quickly, uh, Monday, the day this drops, going to be a somber day maybe in L.A. It's uh, there at Staples Center having uh, a function to remember Kobe. And I think it's great, his daughter. They're, it's, they're not overlooking that. So I, I, I think, you know, um, and I don't think I talked about this. I think I talked about it with you on the phone. I've talked to a few other people. Don't think I mentioned it on the podcast. A couple weeks ago, I'm on Twitter. It's one night I'm home. And uh, I got like somebody liked something. And I'm like, and I'm like, this was from like a year ago. It's weird when somebody likes something you post it like a year ago. Yeah. And it was a clip from one of the 20 different old school hockey, you know, things I follow, you know, like different hockey card sites and different old clips and like old fight things. And and there was a clip that my childhood hero, Richie Dunn was in. And I liked it and I'm like, yeah, just you know this guy was my hero, I liked him. And who did he play for? Well, oh, come on. Just this he, is the, played, the... he played for the Buffalo Sabres from 78 to uh 82. Yep. Then spent a year in Calgary, hated it. Calgary. And then um and, and, and truly, it's like this is the early 80s, and I don't think the NHL was 10% American. This is just before the Russians, or just as the Russians started to come over and the Europeans. You could count the number of Europeans on one, maybe two hands in all the NHL. And this is back during the original 21-team league. <laughs> and um, thank you, Darren Pang. And so – it was, you know, there weren't a lot of Americans in the league, and there definitely were not a lot of Americans on Canadian teams. And um, I know for a fact that that still spilled over at least to 2003, 2002, 2003, when I had a friend playing on a team in Vancouver. Um, but that's a different story for a different day. So Richie then got traded to Hartford, and he spent the next you know, four years with the Hartford Whalers. I like to call them the Hartford Failures. And then he went back and finished his last four years with Buffalo. I mean, he lasted nearly a dozen years in a league where careers are a third that time, generally speaking. So how does he uh, fit into the story about you on Twitter? So I like to clip. And so uh, he passed away a few years ago. My family actually tried to find him to come to like my 45th birthday party. They were throwing me when I was back. Uh, he had passed away a few years ago. Somebody liked something. It turned out to be his son. Oh. And then we had a really nice exchange. And up in my office, I have I have the picture of uh, All-Star Tommy tying up Adam Oates in front of the net while, while playing for Yale. And um, Adam Oates, one of my favorite NHL players, was playing for RPI. And I have a picture, of, a framed picture of me and Richie Dunn when I – one of the summers I spent with him working out, like literally the whole summer. And, and this kid was not was probably like – and diapers, like literally in diapers. And he just was like so touched. Like his dad is – it's not a household name unless you live in my house. I mean <laughs> he lasted 11, 12 years in the NHL, but he was always a second or third string guy. Um, you know, just consistent, like a consistently well-rounded, kind of a defensive defenseman, but, you know, would score 20, 25 points. Wasn't a fighter per se, but, you know, was probably in five or six fights a season. I mean – just an average NHL guy, but he lasted that long, super smart, really well-respected. And so I had a bunch of stories, and I'm like, I said, you know, we moved a couple years ago. There's a 
There's a bin in in our shed with a box of stuff I haven't unpacked. I know I have another couple dozen pictures of me and your dad. And if you ever want to, you know, he, hear some stories about, you know, I explained it's like, you know, he was a workout partner with my dad. That's how I met him. Your dad's, you know, junior partner or junior buddy. You know, Chris had the gym. They worked out and just, you know, and this is how I knew him. This is how I met him. You know, and I just I told him how he, he hated Calgary. I don't know if it ever came <laughs> up, but he really hated his time there. Uh, but it was really nice. I'm never going to get to talk to Richie Don. You yeah. know, and so it was nice for me to talk to his son about it. It was probably nice that, you know, not not only did somebody remember his dad NHL career, but has every one of his cards during his NHL career again, you know, out in the shed somewhere. So that's my sports story for the week. You that's know, nice. my Richie Dunn story. Yeah, that's a the nice great story. Richie Dunn. That's a nice story. And he was way too super of a guy. And when, I, when he took me under his wing and we I would go to the rink with him. Uh, I would get to practice like, you know, a lot of the drills that, you know, Taylor and I do when we would go out, we call it the program I got from, you know, work out with Richie Dunn and I would stand across the blue line and take slap shots on the ice to him, which my slap shots at 14 were equivalent of an NHL pass. <laughs> and it's like to see how good he was. And I mean, wow, could he shoot a puck? I mean, he take a hundred shots like that, all one timers. Post, post, crossbar, top corner, low corner. Like, you know, they, they had the cutout goalie in the net. Yeah. And then – and that's when I realized it's like, okay, he's third line. Yeah, <laughs> in, right. In the NHL. In the NHL, yeah. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they had pickup. And all the NHL guys who lived in the area, IHL guys at the time, AHL, college kids, you know, anybody could kind of come and do this pickup. And he ran it and he also ran the locker room. You know what I mean? He was the fun guy and they looked up to and when you when you would see what he could do stick handling wise and go end to end and do spin around, I mean the crazy shit he could do against these guys just fucking around, it's like Okay, I'm really going to be happy if I get to Junior B. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's 6'2", you know I mean? Just like a walking statue. I like how you look at somebody that and don't get inspired but immediately defeated. Like, no way <laughs> no. am I going to do anything even remotely like that. Yeah, You know I- – I'm not a, I'm 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 not a defeated person by nature, you right. know. I mean, I, if look, I work really hard, maybe he'll let me tape up his stick. <laughs> That's you know, and I will say, and all the all the F and H guys have already heard these stories. But the first time he called, I was so excited. I called my dad, and said, "Hey, why don't you bring him? You know, down with playing pickup." Like threw the bag in the car, got to the rink, didn't have a stick, and I, I'm like, he's like, "Well, here, use one of mine." I'm five, 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 six at the time, and he's six two, and it's a left-handed stick. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, this is a lot bigger. And it's left-handed, and literally, he meets me at the door and he points to, to the, the to, to the woods next door, like yeah. the forest. Oh. Like he goes, Wayne Gretzky could go in that forest, break off a branch, come in here, and be the best player on the ice. It's a player holding the stick, not the stick the player's holding. And I'm like, oh. I never looked at it the same way again. I also never used anything but a Sherwood fifty thirty featherlight after that because that's a stick, you know, that, you know that he had given me. Um, in Russia, stick hold you, and I still have that stick to this day. It's in my mom's attic. I have a stick from downtown. Right. What's it doing that. in your mom's attic? I, know. Well, I didn't have some, a place, and like, you still don't have a place, apparently. right? It's, it, we're, 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 you're in my home, what? right? Right, All right. Where well, it can catch on fire. <laughs> you know, that's kindling to that little <laughs> What are you doing, You know Joe? what? You're right. But no, it wasn't defeatist to see that. It was, look, I spent the next six, seven years of my life 
lifting every day, going to the rink every day, working with him, working out. You know, I mean, I went as far as I could go. And hockey opened doors for me around the world I could have never envisioned. But I was realistic about it. I mean, one thing I did, that's right at the same time, that following falls when I got into martial arts. And I made the decision, if I am going to get further than my skating and shooting ability is going to be, I'm going to have to be a great fucking passer. And that that's one skill that I, I got okay at. And I could fight like a motherfucker. And those are the two skills I'm like, okay. I'm going to be short. And, so I'm going to model my game after people like, you know, like Ken Linsman. And that's why I love this guy named Mario Lemieux. We're getting to not Mario Lemieux, Claude Lemieux, who's just yeah. a dick. And I, beca- I I got really good at baiting better players into taking punches at me and getting them <laughs> off the ice for five minutes for fighting. So, anyways, that sport, that's sport. Now, did mine. he play with uh, Over and, and Unger? What? Did Richie Dunn play with Over and Unger? Over. Unger. <laughs> Thank you. Stupid. He did. Stupid. He was defensive partner. I don't know why he didn't go into coaching. He did play. I know that's completely not what you're asking. Thank you for me being that stupid, not picking up on it. Joe Quinville was his defensive partner. Name doesn't ring a bell for you, but he went on to coach the Chicago Blackhawks to a few Stanley Cups a few years ago. Wow. Like he, he, I don't know why Richie didn't go into coaching, and I don't know hmm. why he died before he hit 60. But uh, Maybe he, looked at, he remembered back to you and got, <laughs> you know what? I'm just... I'm just, mean. yeah, I'm just not going to be any good. <laughs> just like he was not going to be any good when he looked at me. He was de-inspired by you. It's all your fault. Uh, video game show? Have you played any this week? Hmm, what have I played? Hmm, um, I guess just more GoldenEye 007 on a Nintendo 64 emulator. Beat it? No. I'm on I'm on double O agent mode, which is like the hard level, but I'm cheating because I'm playing it on an emulator. I can use save states, which is basically you can take a snapshot of exactly where you are in the game. And if you fuck up, I just hit a button and I immediately start the game over from where I last left the save state. So, oh. it's, you know, it's a cheat function. And it's really hard, but I, I've still yet... I try not to abuse it, but I don't know. At the, in certain levels, I'm just like, man, I don't know how... Anybody that doesn't have 36 hours straight to, you know, do this on their free time, I don't know how they can master this game because uh, it's hard. So uh, because usually since the games come back in the house, it's only on the weekends, except it's February vacation. So he can play like an hour a day if he earns it type thing. So a couple days this week, I, I told you, like, I couldn't get my information back from two but i played it anyways on the normal mode and beat it and i'm like yeah i wish i had the infinity knife it would have taken me an hour and a half to beat it not an hour and 50 minutes (laughs) you know what i mean but no big deal and then i threw resident evil 7 in there the other day more as a curiosity to see if I lost all that information, and I hadn't. It was still there. It's like why 2 wasn't there and 7 was, but I got about halfway through that, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I, you know, I, I, how many times can I you know, beat this? So huh. You're uh, growing up. No, I was just bored. Yeah. So I went back to my first love, and I threw in Resident Evil 5. And I did a couple of those challenge stages. You know, I like going online, and if somebody hasn't beaten a level yet, and you can jump in and kind of, you know, carry them to the promised land, right. and, and feel like a hero, and you know, an unsung hero because you know I don't message with them or I don't friend any requests, and it's nice to get the, you know, you're really great at this, 
you know, hey, who who are you? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I'm the Resident Evil Five player that you, you know, need, not, not the, the one you deserve. deserve. So, so that that that's it for me. Um, and have you watched anything? I did. I watched. Uh, I watched Parasite. And don't tell me anything about it, but worth all the hoopla. Hmm. It's it's good. Um, Was it, it reading it distracting, or do you after I've, a while don't even notice you're doing it? Eh, in and out. I mean, I guess like if they're moving through the text fast, like if you're a slow reader, you know, sorry Tennessee, you. Can, <laughs> <laughs> you're, That's why they don't like that movie. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, no, it's 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 good. I haven't seen the other movies that were nominated. Oh, actually, I I do have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that I started, and unlike I fell asleep. So that maybe is a plus. Ringing endorsement? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I guess I, I got to get it at just the right time. Maybe if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had subtitles, I might be more into it. <laughs> maybe all movies for me need subtitles. It was a, it, no, but it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. I like, and I like it because it shows you South Korea. Right. And they comment on the, the culture of South Korea. So it's good. It's, a, it's worth a watch. Um, again, I can't say I would have voted it for best movie. Didn't blow me away. Let's it was say. an Endgame, right? And what is though? What is Endgame? Infinity War comes close. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, what are you watching, sir? Nothing. Like this week, because the boys have so many things. Mm-hmm. I literally haven't watched the debate. Debate yeah, is really right. all I watched. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that in a cool bracket. I'm so busy to watch. I don't even own a TV. All I want. It's all I I want. I'm looking forward to getting through like the next 20 years of working so I can do nothing but catch up on the last 20 years of TV. There's time now. I'm going to get three or four extra pair of glasses. Yeah. I get three or four pairs of eyes just in case. That's the way they do it in the future. That's um, no. I wish I I, I do. I wish I was watching. I'm, but I was just saying that before. I said that to one of my little guys. I'm like, "Have we watched anything this week? Have I watched anything this week?" He's like, "No." <laughs> he was like yeah. really thinking. It's like they went to see the Sonic movie. Oh, and I uh, I want to see that. I'm going to see that probably with the uh, the kids tomorrow. I you know I I kind of one of my kids is 20. What's happening? That's fucked up. Yes, let's never speak of it again. Okay, done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, you Sonic. Yeah, they 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 liked it. Yeah. You know, they they and, and it's one of those movies. Like, and right now, I'm just I'm becoming really cheap in some ways. Yeah. And there's just where did we go? Like a couple of weeks ago, we went bowling. I know the boys only have one frame in them. You know that's it. You know one one game, not one frame, right. one game. And so we went in there. And it was six dollars to rent the shoes. <laughs> it was like eight dollars each to bowl. Yeah. And then six dollars to rent the shoes. And management is like, we don't do this stuff. Come on, we're here as a family. And I'm like, I'm going to have those shoes on to to do the ten frames. It's going to take me a minute. Or 30 seconds each frame. <laughs> I will have the shoes on my feet for 10 minutes of use. I like how you're getting like the miles I, per gallon out of right. but, but that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> I, I like, you know, Payless wasn't folded up. I could go and get a pair of Payless shoes and wear them around the house. Or beat up the nerd in the lane next to you right. with their shoes. You know, now she could kick my ass. She was, she, she didn't know her, but she looked up. And I wouldn't, and she was mad that I wouldn't bowl. And I'm like, if we were going to bowl here for three or four hours, if we were here with a few couples and it was going to be fun and have a few drinks, I paid the six bucks 
to put the fucking shoes on. I couldn't bring myself to do that. And it's the same thing. It's like, like Endgame. Yeah, I'll go see that four or five times in the theater. Like Sonic, I can wait, and, and I know I'm going to buy it. It's not like oh, I'm going to wait for it to Redbox. As soon as it's out on digital, I know I'll get it. The boys will watch it twenty times. And in the purview, you know, yeah. it's like, I'll get it. I'll watch it. You'll watch it again at home. It's like, I can't spend like 15 bucks to see a movie. I may or may not fall asleep, you know. I've and, yet and to watch see it. The Rise of Skywalker, and I'll probably wait till it comes out on digital or Disney Plus or whatever the fuck it is. It will come out digital first because yep. the boys are upset that Frozen 2 isn't out yet. And, um, and I'm like, why isn't Disney Plus out? I said, well, they won't have it. They'll wait a month for dumb people to have to go and buy it the day on DVD or Blu-ray and all that stuff. And then you can buy it digitally. Mm-hmm. They won't put it out. But, yeah, I mean, Rise of Skywalker should be on Disney Plus pretty soon. But I'll buy it anyway. Yeah, the day so, it comes out, and I'll yeah. call you and say, hey, it's up there. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, now I just want to talk about Rise of Skywalker oh, for whoops. a little bit. You know? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Parenting tip. Ah, uh, gee. Can I do my Emo Phillips again? Yeah, I will. What kind of parent do you think Emo Phillips is? <laughs> I would say a neglectful one. Do you think, because he was married for a while, I know we've talked about this, to Junie Tanunu. Nope. No, he wasn't. No, it was Junie Tanuda. Tanuda, that's what I meant. Can you imagine them in a parent-teacher conference? Like, like their little <laughs> kid is, you know... It is my parents, you know, yeah. seeing a second, third grader, and those two walk in. Right. How do you think that goes? How you doing, pig? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're getting the most education out of him. <laughs> you know? Maybe uh, it's a problem at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Judy Tenuta. Uh, and I, 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 I quote... I saw a clip of her doing um, The Daily Show from like night. No, sh- was it The Daily Show or the short short attention span theater? Oh, that was great from the early nineties, and like it was like rare form, like Judy Tenuta. My favorite thing, and I quote this all the time. This is how old the routine is. She's talking about she got stuck on the smoking section of a plane. And she's like, and this guy next to me lights up a cigar the size of God's ego. (laughs) And I've used the expression the size of God's ego with a number – like not a daily thing, but I don't think a week has passed in the last 30 years. But that's how old that bit is. I also remember when they did a behind the music. This is like late 90s of Weird Al Yankovic. And Judy Tenuta was friends with Weird Al. So – She's doing one of those testimonials about Al's love life. And it's like, it's like, I wouldn't say that she's dating, that he's dating, you know, women as more as blonde mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But those two are just, you know, and again, you know, who's more volatile, Emo and Judy (laughs) Tenuta or Roseanne and Tom? Oh, I thought the pitch was, Roseanne was. Was she, th- I mean, did she get, was it 20 years of drug and alcohol abuse on top of the 20 years before when we, when she first came out? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, was she always that or was it just, I think, I mean, at 25 years of, well, she was Roseanne Barr, you know, she was married. Right. Um, I, I don't know, dude. That's a, this is, a, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh. I'm trying to get off a parenting tip. What's your parenting tip? 
So today was a big day around here. Uh, we had we we it, it, it was time. It was it was time now. Uh, we've we've fought the good fight as long as we could, but we held out into necessity dictated. We got our oldest kid a phone. Ah, you know? welcome. And welcome as, to the jungle. And as much as. Like we, you know, we, we've limited screens more and uh, I, I, I stole some parenting advice from uh, our good friend Taylor uh, at the store. And I've said it in the past, and at the store with management and him there, I said, and I used, I used the legal terms that he told his kid, I think when his kid was about 12, when he got his first phone, it's like, there is no presumption uh, of um, what 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 is the word? Privacy. There's privacy. Thank you. I will check your texts. I will see when you're emailing. I will monitor when you're online. I have the passcodes to everything. So if you delete something, I'm still going to be able to check your history to check what was sent. Yeah. I will be doing that on a complete, regular, almost daily basis. This is a tool, not a toy. Um, but. There's been a bunch of times now that he's doing his different theater groups and now that he's doing different activities. And today was one of those days. It's like the first time in Lowell they have this big winter fest. And one of his buddies from the play at school said, hey, why don't you meet us? We're going to go to Winterfest. I've no desire to. And it's on one hand, it's like, it's nice. And I dropped him off. Call me when you want to get picked up. You know, and he doesn't have to borrow a friend's phone or, you know. I, I didn't say, well, whose parents are you going Which to? one of these buttons do you push to have your mother pick you up? <laughs> so that's so that, so that was it. It's like, you know, my parenting tip is oh, hold on as long as you can, but when it becomes a necessity, get it. But make sure they fucking know you're going to be looking over their shoulder every right. goddamn second. And in his contacts, you're labeled as NSA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and it does. It has all the tracking software. So, you know what I mean? I, you know, you know. You can't get away. You can run, but you can't fucking hide. So, and it also, you know, as a good parenting tip, it uh, gives me something else to take away from him. So, you know, I'll wait a couple weeks until he's really used to texting his friends and kind of using it more and more dependent on it. And then I'll strip it away. Like his ringtone for you is every breath you take. <laughs> yeah. No, no, close, close. There, there, there's another, there's another, uh, uh, a police song written by Annie Sumner. So I think that was his. It's like, you know, every girl I go out with becomes my mother. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's more angst ridden oh. and and overlord won't let me just be me, and is just squashing every dream and hope I've ever had. So that's my parenting tip of the week. Good night, America. <laughs> well, that's a fun podcast if I ever heard one, and I haven't. <laughs> Apparently. No, all right. So thanks for listening to Carnival Person Carnival Personnel, whatever the hell of this is called. Are we still on? Is anybody out there? Knock once if if you're listening. Knock twice if we should stop talking. Uh oh, okay. The people have spoken. Uh I'm just Josh and you everybody. We'll be back next week with lots more love and laughter. Um, it's a rare condition of this day and age If I ever end this podcast normally I gotta do something really autistic and dumb 
Autism is just funny, isn't it? Hey, you know what? Maybe next podcast I'll just talk like the guy who sings the Full House theme. I'll take it. Yeah, you know, you'll, you'll take it. You'll like it like that sweet hog. Anyway, <laughs> good night, everybody, and don't forget. You were fighting for your virtue when you fell upon my soul. I asked you if I'd hurt you. You said I could have heard some more Deep inside we both know you're half crazy And I may have been the one who drove you lost So I guess we'll call it love Oh, no, yeah.